Hello, welcome back to Meraki Unboxed. My name is Simon Thompson, host of the show. And this is the podcast from Cisco Meraki that we run twice a month. It focuses predominantly on the technology at Cisco Meraki, but also on the teams and the people behind the business. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing today. And we actually want to focus today's episode on a subject which we know is near and dear to everybody out there. And that's the subject of remote working something which we have all had to face up to in some shape or form over the course of the past three months. And at Cisco Meraki, we were actually sent home to work from home exclusively from the beginning of March. And so since then, we have been learning to adapt our various different teams to continue to run the business as efficiently and consistently as possible. And I can think of no better team for us to focus on for discussion on this than our own support team. So Meraki Support provides uh, support activities to our many, many customers all around the world on a 24 by 7 basis. And so quite rightly, those customers expected things to continue uh, and the service to continue at the same level uh, when the pandemic started to hit. In many cases, they had lots of questions around remote working and just changes of circumstances of their own to deal with. At the same time, our own support team was learning to adapt to this new reality as well. So what we're going to do today, we're going to introduce uh, Ben Cho, who is the support lead for the EMEA region. That's Europe, Middle East and Africa. And he is going to take us through uh, and answer some questions around some of the impacts that we've seen uh, for the support at Cisco Meraki and how we've dealt with those to make sure that we're able to provide that consistently good service to our end customers. So we'll kick off with an introduction from Ben, and then my colleague Esther and I will take us through a conversation around these topics. The support team at Meraki is about 450 persons overall. And for the EMEA team, we are about 75. Um, the structure of the team is actually based around really the core services that are needed to, to support our customers. Um, so we do have a team of network support engineers that are essentially frontline, right? They're the persons that are interacting with our customers as the first point of contact, whether that's over the phone or an email. Um, all other services are really more behind the scenes, right? We have operations folks that work in the background, um, assisting with cases from a non-technical perspective. Uh, we have escalations teams as well, uh, internal support software teams that build tooling and reporting for us. Uh, and naturally there's also leadership um, as well as liaisons with engineering. Uh, so product specialists within the support side as well. Yeah. I believe just like everyone and all of our teams right now at Meraki, your team must be working from home as well right now. Is that correct, Ben? Yes. Yeah. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that. So since when is your team working from home? I guess that must be since March. Yep. Um, yeah. I believe we started doing a quarantine within London, uh, which called for mandatory work from home uh, on March 11th this year. So it's about 12 weeks now. Okay, 12 weeks. And um, did you have to did you have to go through any operational organizational changes first before we talk about the technology a little bit further? Like, did you have to, for instance, uh, change the staff shifts? 
um, did you tell your team to like change the way how they uh, deal with customers, how the customer service works, that they should focus on emails rather than telephone communication, or were there any overall operational changes due to the remote work situation? Uh not very much. Um, I think the day to day was ultimately exactly the same, right? The communications paths from customers into our teams is still through email and phone, and we've not advertised any preference or changes. Um, we did make a little bit of organizational changes to, to better accommodate um, personal work from home challenges, right? We do have parents on the team um, who have to take care of their children. Um, we have folks that are flat sharing. Um, there's many, many various. Um, situations and we basically staff around those to best support our team so that they can still continue delivering the customer service that um, we've been delivering previous to the lockdown. Okay, interesting. Would you say that was a challenge or was that an easy progress? Um, how, how did that work? I think it was a little challenging not having everyone in the exact same space. Um, so we, we leveraged a lot of telecommunications just to sort things out. And, and once we did come up with the right schedules, um, everything actually pretty much flowed pretty easily. Okay. Um, is that the first time that your team is working remotely? Or did, were you ever in a situation before where you either tested remote work or where individuals in your team work from home? Um, and if not, did you have a plan for this situation? Sure. Um, this is actually not the first time. Um, we have encountered situations um, that have called for people to start working from home um, on, on very short notice. Um, it's been very, pretty rare and infrequent, but we have created disaster recovery plans to address these things. Um, so flowing into that was pretty natural and pretty easy for us. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about that plan? Sure. Um, so we're we're fairly tight knit. Um, so communications for us um, is is one of the big parts that enables this to go. Um, so all of our support engineers are are using laptops, and ultimately they carry them with them, right? So that at all times, should there need to be a redirection, we can reach out to our teams as quickly as possible, and and just let them know. You know, maybe the building doesn't have internet, or there is a power outage today. Um, we'll keep our team informed and then they can stay at home and, and then wait for further communications. But okay. they're fully able to work from just their laptops. Right. Okay. I didn't know that. That's interesting. So mm -hmm. they always have to carry around their laptop. When they yeah. leave the office, they take it home with them every time they leave the office. Yeah, that lets them be very, very mobile. Right. Interesting. Um, so did you do you think you had to train your team to be uh, to be working from home in particular um, apart from like you know like take your laptop home and do this and that was there any further training in terms of um, you know making sure that they have secure connection um, that they're in a private environment because they handle customer service um, was, was there any guidelines around that for your team um, so we don't have any specific guidance, um, but as part of the disaster recovery plan, um, all of those points are actually covered. Um, so we do make sure that either folks have access to um, some, some some sort of a quiet space, or we can also get for them a, a noise canceling headset to a degree, uh, and that helps with the communications. Um, but no real additional training to to get them up and running for their role. 
And do you think that that was sufficient um, after a few weeks in that remote work scenario? Uh, do you think that your team is doing fine or do, do you think that there were any like challenges that you didn't see coming with that? Uh, I think I think the challenges were pretty much um, pretty normal for the situation. Um, I think one of the most readily apparent one apparent issues was hardware, right? Not everyone immediately has access to external monitors or external keyboards, um, but we were pretty fortunate to be able to to get them for the folks that needed it the most. Um, Cisco had the the program that would help ultimately provide some of that gear. Mm. And, and I guess other challenges might have been, you know, unexpected issues, right? Um, if someone needed to queue at a supermarket for their own shopping at specific times because of the situation we're in, um, we just learned to be pretty flexible and accommodating. Yeah. And and we patched any holes that we find, and we, you know, we worked through it quite well. Okay. I I actually remember myself how in the very first weeks uh, I made the big mistake to queue at a big super Sainsbury mega store here for like two and a half hours and missed mm -hmm. two of my calls. So. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so um, if we talk a little bit more about the technological infrastructure to work from home, um, what would you say are the most important elements when you think about your own team? I mean, obviously we're Meraki, so uh, we have a we have an advantage here. But um, if you were to almost like describe to a customer on the phone or advise a customer from your own perspective, what you would tell the customer he needs to make or they need to make sure of. Uh, implementing, what would that be? Sure. Um, so one of the, the fortunate things is that every one of our support engineers, when they start, um, they have a little bit of gear that they they also own. And 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 being engineers, right, they, they love messing around with networks and configuring and troubleshooting. Um, so as part of that, they already have the ability to VPN back in for security purposes. Um, and, and I guess that's one of the luxuries that, that my team has is that they are already fluent with um, creating their own infrastructure and 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 configuring it from the, for themselves, um, but it really mm -hmm. can be as easy as one box. Um, you know, we have various devices, MXs, Z3s, um, that you can quickly just plug in and configure VPN access, and that will get the security they need ultimately to handle all of the day-to-day -day, um, tasks that they would normally have access to you know, on site in one of our buildings. Okay. Simon, did you have any uh, further questions about that piece of the story? Because I know you know more about this than me. Well, I I, I think it's great that you mentioned those those boxes because obviously those make a big big difference. And and like you said, Ben, they 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 give all of those engineers an opportunity to tinker and and play around with some of these features themselves. And and I know many of them have their own sort of lab setups as well, so that they can test out. Uh, scenarios. I guess that's a little bit more challenging with the teams sort of dispersed and all, all working from home. But I guess there, there's also maybe products that they can leverage back at back at um, back at the office. Would that be right? Um, so we do actually have a lab on site as well, and a couple of folks have already worked and and done their best to enable all remote access to those labs. Um, so we we have a couple of folks that actually manage our lab for us, and they were the ones building those connections to make sure that even though we couldn't physically access some of the gear that we needed to, um, remote access was available. Um, and that's really enabled us to, to hit almost every single type of repro uh, that we needed. Okay, cool. And, and the other one that was on my mind was telephony. So 
how how are you handling the actual um, telephone infrastructure uh, that relays calls to to different support engineers? Ah, good question. Um, so so our platform, it's it's a soft phone. So we've actually done away with hard phones for quite some time now. So there is no physical requirement. All the phones are routed digitally via via our laptop. So as long as we have a VPN connection into our office, we are able to process all calls. And, and because it's digital, right, we, we don't have to worry about landlines, ISPs, you know, right. any, any usable interconnection is sufficient. But that does make use of a, of a VPN, so an always-on VPN, essentially, is that right? Yes. Yeah. So, I guess, because everything went quite smoothly, as we already discovered for you and your team, um, maybe you can talk a little bit about the benefits that you would see in remote work in general from a manager's perspective that manages a remote, um, it, let's say, contact or support center. What do you think are the biggest benefits of it? Sure. Um, I think definitely some of the newfound benefits was uh, a little bit more flexibility. Mm -hmm. um, right prior to this, we were starting to explore having some flexibility in work from home in general. Um, because we had a lot of feedback that, you know, some some aspect of working from home, maybe once a week or twice a week, it allowed people to um, gain a couple of hours back from transport. Um, people were able to plug in and plug out um, a little bit easier. And, and I think some of the benefits were really for the team to take advantage of that. Um, and, and I think it really boosts morale in some senses when, you know, they're able to have a little bit more structure in their day that is not... Um, from just a transport perspective. Um, and I think for our customers, I think that's that's really the biggest thing, right? If our team is able to function well and be in, in the best state of mind as possible, then the, the drive of wanting to help customers is always uh, boosted as well. Mm, okay. Um, I mean, like, especially in EMEA, we have the situation um, here at Meraki in London that we don't always find um, workforce from countries that we're looking for with like language requirements that we need and things like that. So, um, and there's probably more to it. So, do you think that if you were to give your team a more, um, you know, permanent flexibility uh, to, to uh, offer remote work as like a permanent solution or at least two or three days a week, um, do you reckon that would probably attract more? Um, people from all over Europe to work in your team and, uh, you know, like a more qualified workforce almost? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think if we do open the opportunity to work fully remotely uh, for the support team, we would definitely have a little bit more um, engagement from various countries, right? Um, just because mm -hmm. not, not everyone has a strong desire to live directly in, you know, the heart of London. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I think it's, it's definitely proven that it is possible. Um, I think the only interesting point that, um, that is yet to be proven is that we're able to actually operate so effectively due to our existing uh, community and culture from being in the office. Um, I, I think it would be definitely interesting to see how we can translate that to someone who may have not had the opportunity to build that relationship prior to, to joining our teams. Yeah, so you would say like, one of the biggest question marks is how can we maintain the office culture, the team culture that we obviously don't really have physically mm -hmm. while we're from home. Yeah. But yep. if someone were to ask you now, hey, Ben, um, we're thinking about moving some of our teams to work 
from home or remotely on a more permanent basis, what would your answer be if somebody said, what do you think from like a support team point of view? I, I think this experience has definitely opened my eyes to the viability of it. Um, and I think there's also been a recognition from my side that, you know, some folks do actually want this as part of their, their work-life balance. Um, so I think the entire experience has been pretty positive as far as showing me a different perspective of something that, you know, we weren't really too certain about. Um, so I think it's been a really positive experience overall, given, given the nature of what we're experiencing. Yeah. Do you think you would give your team the option or um, if you had the choice, would you give them the option or would you make that call for them? And how do you think would people react? Would it be like a 50-50 split or can you make any projection or is that, would that go too far? I, I think forecasting would be a little bit too far. Um, I think for me, the, the most ideal state would be to find some balance in supporting as well as ensuring that there is some office-based contact. Um, whether they be a little bit more regularized team meetings um, where we want to drive physical participation. I'm sure we can find some kind of balance that, that enables the best of both worlds. Okay, cool. I, I'm imagining the challenges are, uh, are different things that we maybe don't even normally talk about. Like I, uh, challenges that I have are staring at this screen all day, sitting in this chair all day, uh, within these four walls all day. And it's just very different to the dynamic nature of of being in the office. So I, I think I think that's a very interesting one. Like everybody reacts differently, and especially during a time of lockdown. Uh, for me personally, I'm kind of an introvert character, so I'm, I've been okay with it. But I think for other people, it's probably been very challenging. And and uh, so I, I imagine that there are some, you know, personal like life stuff related to this as well, because, you know, you've got parents, dealing with school kids and, and uh, you know, all kinds of realities happening in people's homes that, that are not something that were part of the original design of our business uh, model, right? So we've we been learning a lot as we go. Um, how's, it, how's it been for you, Ben? Uh, a little bit of column A, column B. Uh, for sure, we've seen a little bit of those challenges, but I think the, the team has been very, very empathetic in just plugging those holes, right? Um, someone's, you know, someone has a, an emergency, then, you know, someone else shifts their lunchtime. Um, I'm just really proud that the teams do communicate on that level so that they can actually continue to support each other as well as customers. So I think maybe for me, it's a little it's a little harder to see those challenges because when we have them, right, we're able to quickly go figure out what the best solution is internally. Um, for me, a little bit of what you mentioned, I, I'm an introvert at heart. So, you know, it's like, hey, please, uh, please sit in front of your computer all day. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but but I, I think indeed some of the social um, aspects of it, right, not being able to just have a random conversation, I think those are the small, um, uh, I guess, micro challenges that will probably add up if we continue onwards. So we've been trying to, to work against those with more um, telepresence, um, trying to really encourage folks to keep their video on. Um, you know, if, if they're able to, right? Just because like so much of our communication right. is visible, right? Yeah. Everyone's a black screen and we can't see anything, then you know, it takes away from that next, you know, best thing we can do. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's been one of the interesting ones. It's like that it's changed the culture a little bit. Like I didn't usually switch my camera on when I was on uh, mm. my calls before, but now I really understand 
uh, in spite of whatever my hair looks like on a given day. I understand the you know the importance of, of it from a from a connection standpoint, right? And being able to see the see the body language and just see people that you you know and, and are familiar with. So it, it does make a difference for sure. It it just seems it just feels like. You can still do all of that good stuff. You just have to be a bit more deliberate about it. Yes. Yeah. If, if you're not intentional about it, then it's it's right. easily forgotten. And you know, we we've been at it for 12 weeks. Um, it could be a little bit more time. And I think making sure we we call those out and remind each other, um, what else could we we do and make a good habit for now will will stick. Um, one interesting point though is um, on the creativity piece, right? I think I think I've just now realized a, um, a challenge or a con, right? I think as I was walking in the office and seeing everyone working, it was easy to hear someone discussing something because you usually see a cluster of folks together. And I think, you know, obviously I'm not able to, to hear that live engagement of what's happening on the phone or even walk past anyone. Um, I, I think I don't, I haven't actually explicitly done a hard query of like, hey, what's, what's weird? What's interesting? What have you seen? Um, because that's always been super present. So I think this was a good call out for me to, to start asking some of those questions that I have taken for granted from just being physically present. It's a really good point. It's, you're reminding me of what I call the water cooler effect. It's, yeah. like, it's, it's that opportunity for those random conversations and those serendipitous opportunities to, you know, just mm. hear something that sparks an idea or, or gets a conversation going. Uh, that's that's definitely uh, one of the benefits. I think it's why, uh, for me, I love a mix, and I do like going into the office to, to experience a little bit of that um, mm. from time to time, in spite of what the commute is like in the Bay Area, and I'm sure in London as well. Yep. That brings up one more question for me. Sure. When so part was still based in the same office at Finsbury Square, they were on the same level like marketing. Mm -hmm. And I saw them all day, and I heard them all day, and I actually very vividly remember that they were always talking to each other about stuff. I wonder, like, how is that interaction happening now that they are all isolated from each other? It's it's definitely reduced. Um, some of the teams yeah. have started using WebEx, um, so it's a little challenging, right? So, so some people will have a core WebEx team room dedicated, and mm -hmm. everyone's video will be on that screen. And they will have to basically manually turn on and unmute themselves when they're chatting, as well as increase and lower the volume while they're on a call. But like it's it's been a way that some teams have tried to address the, the presence part, um, just so if someone's on a call, they can like shut off and, and turn off the volume. When they're off the call and waiting, they can turn it back on and, and simulate a little bit of that um, cooler locker room and, and cooler talk. Interesting, but it's not the same probably. Yeah, I, I think there is no no direct replacement for that, but it's uh it's a workaround. That's you know that's about the best we can do for now. Yeah, it's not impossible. Okay. So now that we talked a little bit about your experience with your own team, I thought it would be very interesting to hear your um observations maybe um that you made in the past few weeks when it came to our actual contact with customers. Mm -hmm. um, so, talking a little bit about what were the main challenges of our customers, what were they, where did they need most of the support, um, and, um, you know, how did we help them to overcome those challenges? Sure. Um, 
this is pretty broad and varied, right? Because we do have many, many different customer profiles and customer uh, regions. Um, I, yeah. I think some of the biggest challenges is is the first realization that their entire remote, sorry, their entire teams will will need to work remotely. Um, so I think the first one was scrambling on figuring out how to maintain access for them, right? Much as we have our own VPN services, not every customer has had that. Um, and for those that have had it, sometimes, you know, that configuration has not been used frequently. So a lot of education for the most part with uh, VPN and client VPN, um, that was really the, the majority bulk in the first couple of weeks of lockdown. Um, and I would say that general MX connectivity was really the question because that's ultimately the front end device. So a lot of questions geared towards optimizing configuration or just making sure configuration was proper given the various setups that you have at home. On the less technical side, I think customers obviously are also um, challenged with their own businesses as well. Um, many projects and existing cases that were in, um, ongoing have pretty much been paused. So we've had a lot of things where um, customers have had to park projects and park issues. And, and you know, those are things that you know, they'll need to work through with us at, at their next available opportunity. I actually have two follow-up questions. Uh, one is, um, did you get a lot more, let's say, end user requests as well? So from IT teams that are in a remote work situation and are trying to, you know, like set up their own network or whatever and um, called you and needed help because they just didn't have enough experience or something like that. So rather, let's say, almost semi-professional requests, was that a thing or? It mainly like the you know IT managers, IT admins that, that ask for support. Uh, still a good mixture. Um, we'll be able to work and provide support for any dashboard administrator. Um, so we typically do not um, make a differentiation between what type of end customer. Um, usually we will be able to tell by the size of their network, right? Um, mm. but for the most part, we haven't really noticed any difference. I think everyone for the most part was scrambling to set up their their connections um and usually for larger enterprises right we won't be working directly with their end clients um usually someone within their it team would be liaising as their dashboard administrator for that conversation okay and when it comes to when you say you had to pause a lot of bigger bigger it projects for instance can you give me an example of what that could look like so somebody who was just in the installation of a new product portfolio, for instance, and then you had to pause it, like what does that entail actually? Sure. Um, so usually when deployments happen or there's an infrastructure refresh, um, existing tickets will probably be open to, to provide some guidance, possibly during a maintenance window. Um, so anything that we've had organized with customers um, have had to ultimately, you know, been confirmed that, you know, are these maintenance windows are still occurring? Um, do you still need assistance at a specific scheduled time? So any kind of pre-existing case that we've had, um, we've had to really go through and be sure to follow up as appropriate, just to make mm -hmm. sure we know what state the customer's in. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you would say most of the requests that came in that didn't come in before were really, really focused quite heavily on remote workers and setting up IT teams to work remotely and you know teleworkers. Correct, and and really that um, that also reflected in a, a dramatic drop in in overall volume. Yeah. Um, during the the height of this, we saw approximately forty percent reductions in volume um, globally. 
Uh, for EMEA, we were closer to about 45% reduction in, in, in volume. Okay, is there, would you say there's any like specific groups within that 40 or 45% that you saw dropping? Like, could, could we possibly say uh, rather smaller customers didn't call us anymore or those specific, I don't know. Are there any like specific groups that you saw disappearing suddenly from the radar? I think a lot of the small businesses, for sure. Um, some of the quick calls of, you know, my one client is not connecting to the the single access point. Um, I think a lot of those calls have really, really almost disappeared. Um, it's really hard to say if it's because those businesses are either not operating at the moment, or you know, the heavy reduction in foot traffic has reduced the general wireless interference that they had before. So interesting. Not really sure exactly where, but I, I think for any for anything. Uh, smaller businesses, I think we've not heard from as much. Um, really, more of those things are larger projects that are still ongoing um, from mm -hmm. enterprises that have the ability to sustain that. Interesting. Well, not surprising either, and a bit sad, mm -hmm. but yeah. Yep. Do you monitor the current situation a little bit differently than usually? Do you have to hand in some time of, I don't know, reports of what you just mentioned? Um, with, are you talking about this in HQ? Is there any type of reporting going on that we can like say with like in the period of COVID the support team experienced XYZ? I think all of the metrics and SLAs and KPIs we typically measure, we we continue to measure. Mm -hmm. um, I think for me, what I've done specifically is to uh, modify the time frame a little bit to look very specifically at when our lockdown started so that I could gain a little bit more trending. Um, not only to to look at some of the, the the aspects you talked about, which was what types of customers are they? Large customers are they small customers? Um, do they belong to a certain country? Um, I think we do find a little bit of trending, and and um, the, again the most prominent one was uh, MX devices or ZV devices with VPN specific technology. Um, we saw almost a two three hundred percent increase in that specific type of case for the first few weeks, um, which is now tapered down. Um, and one actual cool story on that is that, you know, our, our support teams and our product specialist teams in support saw that trend and was able to feed that back directly to engineering so that um, they could pr prioritize any of those issues that they might encounter, whether that's bugs or feature requests, um, because that was very front and center and it was a good opportunity to prioritize that for customers that were now uh, using this specific feature and service on NOS. Interesting. Did you observe any differences in the location and where the, where the customers came from in the last weeks? Are there any like peaks in countries that call you up more than others in EMEA? It's, um, I think most of EMEA has lowered a little bit, um, locally at least within the EMEA region. Um, the majority of our calls and, and, and contacts still um, are from the Americas regions during our afternoons. Um, mm. So the percentage breakdown hasn't changed too much, but definitely the over volume, overall volume. Yeah, I think Simon, um, probably the Americas are like US in particular are also the ones um, from what I've seen so far that came up with the most creative use cases when it comes to technology and how they use technology in like unusual environments. Well, it, everybody reacts differently in uh, in these kind of situations. I feel like the the recent period has been one where a lot of people's instincts are just to hunker down. 
So, you know, maybe it's it's uh, it is an opportunity for experimentation in some ways, but in other ways, it's just a time that we need to get through. And and uh, I think hopefully now people are starting to look forward and think about what comes next. Oh, cool, Simon. Did you have any more questions? I don't think so. I mean, Ben's done a fantastic job here. It's, this is really good. Thank um, you. Good to hear the reality. Of, of what's being experienced and, and I was interested in that question about you know whether the support calls had gone up or got or stayed the same or gone down and and you know like you say it's not perhaps so surprising as we were saying a second ago that if, if people are in that kind of hunker down let's just get through this I think if I was a network engineer and and uh you know the the, the pandemic had started while I was in that function I would just freeze everything at that point there would be no changes in my in my network so i think it's a very natural instinct to 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 go down that path but obviously for larger corporations who've got much bigger projects that take a lot longer to come to fruition then they're, they're going to be doing their best to keep keep rolling forwards in that in that time so we all get through it the best way we can i think absolutely super awesome to um to talk with you and, and i really appreciate the answers you've given they're really clear and uh, very helpful to us definitely yeah. Thanks cool. so much. Um, yeah, definitely take care. Um, nice meeting you, Simon, and um, stay safe. And, you know, we're, we're always here. So we're always just a click away if you ever need anything. Okay, well, I think that's been a really helpful conversation. I hope you found it interesting. We certainly learned a lot there about how our own support team has been dealing with the realities we've been facing since the beginning of March. It's obviously been a very trying time for everybody in various different ways. And obviously as a tech company, we're very fortunate to have been able to continue service using the internet and the power of all of this networking technology to help keep us all connected. We hope that all of you are doing well out there, keeping safe, and we very much look forward to welcoming you back to another episode of Meraki Unboxed in a couple of weeks. If you would like to share your thoughts around what uh, topics you'd like us to cover on the show, I would love to hear from you. And you can reach out to me directly on Twitter, at Meraki Simon is my handle on Twitter, at Meraki Simon. I would love to hear from you. Tell us what you think of the show. Let me know what you would like us to focus on next. And we certainly would like to take that into consideration. Thanks again for joining, and we hope you have a really great day. Bye-bye for now.